2: Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight and a great guest that's going to be joining us for the second half. But we have to start it locally. Let's start with some local flavor. And I do mean flavor because we are talking about a local brewery. And this is a case that began recently that has everybody talking about what's in a name I'm talking about a trademark infringement trial now of course my career has been as a prosecutor my co-host has spent his career in the civil sphere so he's going to weigh in on this as well Uh, but it has to do with Stone Brewing who is basically suing um, the Miller Coors company stating that the names are too close and I'm I'm really sort of summarizing and paraphrasing the lawsuit but it has to do with a rebrand that can be confusing. And Larry's going to give a a little more details as to the legalities of the suit, but I just want to point out how many of us haven't confused one brand for another. I mean, think about it. You go to the store, things look the same, the names sound alike, the color scheme is the same. I mean, brand management matters. You know, those of us that grew up with fast food restaurants when our parents would let us, I mean, McDonald's was the Golden Arches. Jack in a box was the clown head at the drive through. We remember these things usually with nostalgia nowadays, but did you ever get confused? And the one example I'll give is you're driving along the street and here comes somebody who apparently bought an old police car and is driving a black and white that's now owned privately and everybody slams (laughs) on their brakes. That's misleading rebranding. How does all of that have to do with this lawsuit that we're talking about here, Larry?
3: Right. They just filed this lawsuit uh, this week, and apparently the dispute had been going on for some time. But this Miller Coors company, they had a very low end brand of beer called Keystone Light and their sales. Low
2: end, low end. Larry, didn't everybody drink that in college? I didn't know
3: it uh, was a low-end brand. Well, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, it, it was not as expensive or exquisite or oh, okay. as the Stone Brewery. And uh, so they re, they rebranded it and, and they called it. It was just Keystone Light, and then they separated out the key and the stone. And I just pulled up a screenshot uh, today, but you know, before the show, and it, they really emphasize still the stone part of it. So I think they're trying to capitalize on the Stone Brewery, which is a very high-end brand. And uh so Stone Brewery, their sales are going down while the Keystone Light uh, from Miller cures is going up as far as sales go. And and there basically I think there is confusion and that's the big argument and that's the big thing that separates uh, that that allows these type of lawsuits to be to be filed.
2: And that is a point that I'd like to expound upon because we don't know the individual facts of this case. That's up to a jury. We have no opinion one way or another. But the issue is fascinating because rebranding occurs on a regular basis and has to to keep pace with the way in which consumers select products. I mean, competition is fierce in some of these industries. And beer is a very popular commodity, and there is some real name recognition issues here. It's kind of like voting. I mean, think about this, okay? You're you're faced with a ballot, all right? Good for you for voting to begin with, and you're reading through the ballot, and you don't know who any of these people are, but all of a sudden you come across a name that sounds familiar. It rings a bell, and you might vote for that person, or not, simply based on the name. Well, so, too, when you talk about trademark infringement suits, you normally have one side or the other saying, look, some people are saying they're confused. They're commenting online that they're confused. I mean, what better way to demonstrate? And you see that in a lot of these types of cases, not just this one, where you actually have both sides gathering information as to whether or not there was market confusion. Now, you, I, I stopped you when you said that Keystone was a, a lower end beer because price points of items – Are often very telling and can often serve as circumstantial evidence. It's kind of like you buy something and you look at the price and you say, Whoa, that's all I paid? Did I really get what I thought I was buying? So many products are marketed to different kinds of people. And that's why I give the college example is, you know, many college students aren't, you know, shopping online and trying to get the absolute. Maybe they are, maybe they are nowadays. Maybe you and I are dating ourselves, but you might think of that being more of an economy beer. Um, or an economy product market. Does that have any relevance here?
3: Right. And I think uh, talking about the confusion aspect, I think on social media, people were beginning to ask, has a uh, Stone Brewery been bought up uh, by the Miller Company? And so there was provable, I think, uh, confusion, but that that's, remains for the jury to decide. But here's another example. Do you remember the case of Lexus the car versus Lexus the uh, premium uh, legal research database. That was a real suit. And guess, Toyota won that one. So that's why we have Lexus the car brand and still lexus nexus the uh, premium uh, legal research database and uh, they're spelled differently but they're pronounced exactly the same so lexus the you database know, that is a
2: great example yeah. i mean those two products could not be further removed from one another you're talking about a legal research database and a car exactly <laughs> if, if that can be confusing then potentially anything can be it's probably a sign of the times too that people do everything online. It would be different if we were actually in a brick-and-mortar store looking at products. Even then, I mean, you'd be looking at, do they look alike? Is the logo similar Are the color scheme similar? But when you're buying something online, like a lot of people do, or you're listening, or I mean, you can see there's ample opportunities for people to be confused. So, Larry, it's great that you found one that is really a stunning example of, of the extent to which this happens with all different kinds of
3: products. This is kind of interesting, too, Wendy. Uh, Trademarks, they last 10 years. And you have to file a, uh, it's called a Section 8 affidavit between years 5 and 6 to preserve that. But once that's done, as long as you maintain that trademark, it can last forever. Uh, Unlike copyrights. Now, copyrights is really interesting intellectual property. They they will last the the life of the author uh, plus 70 years, and And then patents, like if you have an invention, that's different. They last uh, 20 years from the date of, uh, you know, you invent it and you file your application, or 17 years from the date of issue, and you can't renew those, which is interesting. When the patent runs out, then... uh, it's open season for people to copy uh, that, that patent. But again, going back to the trademarks, if you keep that like Coca-Cola, it'll last forever. And I'm sure they're going to maintain that as long as uh, uh, th- things are good here in the economy.
2: Well, you know what's interesting about that, Larry, is you know, it goes to the issue of should we revise those amounts of years? I mean, think of the longevity tables nowadays. They look nothing like they did 50 years ago where people didn't live that long. So when you're talking about copyrights and trademarks and do you outlive the logo, Uh, We may need to revisit that. But Larry, there's something else on your docket today that you wanted to talk about.
3: Yeah, uh, I wanted to cover really briefly, and I'm going to have to skip over a lot of material probably because this is really important, but I'll do my best. So who said this statement? Liberty once lost is lost forever. When the people once surrender their share in the legislature and their right of defending the limitations upon the government and of resisting every encroachment upon them, they can never regain it. That was said by John Adams, our second president, way back in 1775. So our nation today faces unprecedented challenges, election integrity, censorship, vaccine passports, mask mandates, border security, or lack thereof. And the liberal response always seems to be uh, strike down individual liberty, implement more government, and spend more money. Well, I want to focus on this last thing, the spend more money part. There is a theory that's called modern monetary theory, and it seems to be a real favorite of the left. And what it really says if we have fiat money, if we're able to print our own money supply like the United States is, not every country can do that. But since we we have that special status as uh, the world reserve currency, we're able to do that. They just say it really doesn't matter if we pay our bills. We're not like common household uh, people maintaining their budget with their household. We can print as much as they need. And if they do that, uh, they could use that to fund things like universal health care and uh, free education and so forth. But it, we really endanger or, or bring ourselves into a point where we can have hyperinflation like they had after world war one in Germany, where it literally went up over 300% every month of inflation. So we need to, I think have some common sense. They just passed a, foy, uh, a $1.5 trillion budget this week. And if you've, you know, if you converted trillion dollars into seconds, each dollar equals a second, that's 32,000 years. That could help you think about the amount of money. Where is that going to come, for, uh, come from? So very dangerous times we live in. I just hope we, get, we elect legislators that do a good job and, and, and are reasonable as far as passing budgets.
2: You know, when you talk about money, I do have to say that uh, that is a bipartisan value. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, Democrats drive. Democrats dine. So do Republicans. And um, both parties are they love their children. They want good education. They want uh, they want a, a safe community. So we have so many safe values. I always feel like I have to sort of wrap a silver lining around some of your some of your stories larry so i hope i've done that but very important absolutely very important to talk about all this speaking of very important topics we have one for you right after the break as well as a very important guest so stick with us don't touch that dial we will be back in a flash you're listening to today with dr wendy
1: cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the Headline Highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines Streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick.
2: Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick and my co-host Larry Dersham and I have a very special guest for you. We are fortunate to have an amazingly brave mom who decided to take action, stand up in a major way to protect her children and children everywhere. Larry, would you like to introduce our guest?
3: Sure, Wendy. Our guest today is Becca Williams, who's running for the San Diego Unified School Board, District C, that covers parts of La Jolla, Pacific Beach, Mission Bay, Point Loma, and Ocean Beach. As a mom... And a former classroom teacher, businesswoman, athlete, and taxpayer, Becca brings firsthand immediate awareness of the issues on the hearts and minds of local education stakeholders. A lover of babies, dogs, and nature, she is well-rounded and moved by the beautiful things in life. But she's also a daring, courageous, and competitive person as well, as demonstrated by her past involvement in high-speed auto racing. Welcome to the program, Becca.
4: Hey, Glad to be here. So, Becca,
2: obviously, this is a non-political, non nonpartisan show. Uh, and I think that you just mentioned some things that a lot of us like, babies, dogs and nature. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling that, you know, whatever your political persuasion and ideology, everybody loves those things. But I do have to say, I am fascinated that at one point in your life, apparently, you competed professionally in stock car racing. What what was that like? That is incredible.
4: It really was incredible. Uh, it's hard to communicate what it's like to be on a car and a track and go that fast because you know I I drive pretty uh, safely on the freeways, but when you're when you're on a track, the G force, um, you know, the mm. ability of the car to stick to the to the to the track and all that it, it's it's an unbelievable experience. But I would say I raced against about half of the the um, men competing on Sundays in in NASCAR, the top series. So Kyle Busch, oh, Chase Elliott. All those guys. That's
2: incredible. When I grew up, everybody used to watch those shows and watch the crashes. And we would just say, how in the world do they get these racers? And I know you actually were a finalist on the reality TV show called Changing Lanes. And actually hold some titles for your achievements in stock car racing. Even though, as you point out, it was you against the guys.
4: Yeah, it's one of the few sports where that's really possible because the car is an extension of you. So there's a few women who Mm. have broken in. We all have different kind of things that are fit, but I think it's possible for women to actually compete at the top level in that particular sport because of the the nature of the sport.
3: Wow. Hey, Becca, on your campaign website, you state that you stand for the preservation of childhood. What do you mean by that? And in your opinion, how is the childhood of our kids being taken away by our current public school system?
4: Uh, that, that's a great question because it's, it's not a, a self-explained quote, and I think a lot of people gravitate to it. What I really mean is ideas, concepts, curriculum that are not age appropriate for children have been creeping into the lower grades, particularly um, things around what I. it's more like sexualized ed than it is sex ed. But a lot of stuff that's pre-puberty that's that's not age appropriate has been starting to leak in. And I do think it's a it's a um an, an effect of uh you know gender ideologies that are really aggressive with really strong activists breaking in to even the schools and the lower grades now and these ideas trickling down so really what i mean that 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 in particular is what I mean so um you know a childhood kids aren't ready for certain topics, and that's a really special time in life when the body's developing and growing and 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 preparing for other things, but it's really. Uh, most cultures all over the world have agreed that certain things are right at certain times, and that one is not. So I, I like to be a, a voice against that because childhood's pretty amazing, and parents are the ones who have to facilitate it, as well as teachers and a community.
2: You know, childhood is amazing, and so is the socialization process that many of our kids around the world have missed for two years. And, you know, given the given the closures, the masks, I mean— You know, we used to walk down the street during the pandemic, and if we can get away with it, flash a smile at these young ones to kind of give them an idea that, no, there are smiling people that love you. that are everywhere. You just can't see them right now. Um, But what impact does the closure of schools for, I guess, 18 months? uh, About, I know some schools in some parts of the country are still either closed or masked. I guess it depends on hospitalization rates and other things. Um, But how do kids recover? after that amount of time, kind of getting stalled a bit in the socialization process?
4: I think the consequences of the learning loss and the school cho- closures really vary from each individual child and and largely depends on the kind of family that was taking care of them. I do think you have kids, uh, you know, sadly, who went without meals, who were uh, kind of in the dark and scared because the schools are not just places for learning. For a lot of for kids, they're, they actually represent a place where they go to receive a lot of basic things. Um, so there's a huge range of how this impacted people, all the way from kids went hungry um, and and um, the, you know they may have been abused, all these kinds of things, domestic violence, because sadly the school is is that haven. You know, all the way to. <clears throat> Someone missed reading, someone missed that, some of the other consequences. It was everyone was impacted in 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 very different ways and differing degrees, and unfortunately, the uh, kids most marginalized suffered the most, I believe.
3: Well, uh, Becca, what influence do teachers unions have on what's being taught in our schools? And what can be done to lessen their control over what is being taught to our kids? And I'm thinking of, maybe you don't want to comment on this, that things that really bother me is this uh, critical race theory, CRT, that teaches kids to distrust one another, things like that. So are teacher unions a problem or something that we need to work on?
4: I would say that everyone is a little different but for the most part teachers unions do many things beyond the scope of securing proper labor agreements for the teachers and they really have become bodies for political activism with um with really ideas that uh, are toxic and uh you know one of them being the ones you mentioned and I do think um you know th- these ideas actually have become the the regular ideology and institutions it's not just public schools it's also the private schools it's also the charter schools and i think it's going to take a a broad effort to identify what this is define terms because language is very evasive around these things and come to an agreement uh and really comb this out of many places because it is the default set of ideas i think operating in most institutions
2: You know, when we talk about, you know, comparing schools of today to back when we were growing up and the curriculum and just the classes and all the rest of that, even the class size, um, you know, there's some staples that a lot of us remember. I don't know fondly or not, but I mean, you know, math, English history. um, How has that changed over the years? You know, maybe in the more mainstream ways, not so much, you know, critical race theory, or some of these other things, but even the mainstream topics, if we can even call it that, um, are those changing as well? Or are we still, for perpetuity to come, going to have those core subjects that we all remember from our growing up? Uh,
4: so CRT is not a uh, really taught as a class or a discipline. It's really a set of ideas that works its way into those disciplines, like English, like math. Um, and you get you get the effects of that really infused into the programs, so I think classes look different, and th- this is happening to differing degrees. But it is a it, it it's an inversion of reality in some ways, and it really presents a different worldview that that comes out a lot of different ways and across disciplines. and And I'm someone that really believes we need to get back to the basics because it it's um, it's not acceptable to have as many students as we have graduates from our schools not being able to read and write and i really mean that they cannot read and write and that's a really sad thing for an adult not to share in the delight of of reading great things and in being able to to do things that are normal functions of of an adult mind and uh, we are absolutely doing that uh, to a a good number of kids coming out of our, our school systems
3: Do you believe that in certain cases, Becca, that teachers and local school administration people, such as principals and vice principals, counselors, et cetera, are beholden to special interest groups and maybe even beyond the teachers' unions that cause them to implement these uh, uh, controversial policies?
4: Yeah, I think there are most—I mean, every school system is a little different. There are some that have a real monopoly on thought, ideas, contracts— Everything, and I do think um, the school district that I'm running for, San Diego Unified, is uh, is very much a, a closed group with closed ideas, and um, that it is that they represent the interests of a, of, a, of a smaller group of people as well. Yes.
2: You know, we talk a lot on the show about just a variety of issues that really uh, unite parents everywhere, and. Some of those have, you know, included the the not only the pandemic restrictions, but they've also sort of included, you know, how we help our kids plan for the future. And we're at the end of the show, but I just want to say, you know, it's it's great. Uh, thank you for joining the discussion on, you know, the reality that, you know, our children are going to miss out if they can't participate in society to the greatest extent. And everyone wants that. Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's it's amazing that we sometimes on the show end up realizing, we have different guests on from different persuasions and there's so much that we have in common and this is one of those common goals is wanting the best yeah. for our kids Excuse and me. wanting to
4: equip them
3: uh, becca if people want to get a hold of you before we end the program how do they get a hold of you to support you a web
4: go to beccaforschoolboard.com i am actively fundraising uh, and that really helps fuel this campaign which is a very serious campaign and um I'm 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 the one in the arena. Basically, if you if you have any if anything that I said speaks to you, I'm that candidate.
2: Thank you all for joining us. I want to remind you that we spring forward tomorrow, Sunday. So don't forget to move your clock ahead one hour. Don't miss that. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. God bless you and have a great week.